You're listening to the Co-op Book Podcast. So I'd like to welcome Dr. Justin Coulson to the Co-op Chat. Hello, Justin. G'day, Rob. Nice to chat. Now, Justin, just before we talk about your latest book, 21 Days to a Happier Family, um, you stepped away from the heady world of radio and doing voice for a profession, and you decided to requalify. What prompted that? Yeah, look, I had a nearly a decade-long radio career. I worked for some of the biggest radio stations in the country um, and was working at Brisbane's B105, where we, where we played all of today's best music while you work. So I was there until my late 20s, um, used to hang out in the studio on backstage with some of the biggest names in global entertainment. I mean, we're talking uh, people like uh, Ronan Keating and John Mayer and Gwen Stefani and Anastasia. You know, they were in and out of the studio and in and out of... Um, uh, the radio station day in, day out, and, and that was kind of my, my life. Um, but I, while I was very, very good at work, I would go home each day and I was discovering some uncomfortable truths about myself as a human being, and that is that I didn't really know how to have healthy, functional, long-term relationships. Uh, while my relationship with my wife was very good, we had two little children, uh, a newborn and a three-year-old, and I was consistently getting it wrong with my three-year-old. And after one particularly uh, just just awful episode where I completely lost it and treated her in ways that are simply not appropriate, um, out, out of sheer anger and frustration uh, and, and, and out of an inability to handle myself and regulate my own emotions, um, it kind of came to a head. And I spoke with my wife about it and asked how she felt about maybe me packing in this high-flying radio career and um, going and doing something different, like maybe getting a psychology degree so I could learn how to be a dad. And, uh, and so, so I began my eight and a half years of full-time study with a mortgage and two kids and then three kids and then four kids and then five kids uh, until finally I earned my um, Bachelor of Psych Science with first class honours and then went on to complete my PhD. So eight and a half years of full-time study and five children later and um, I was officially somebody who apparently knew some stuff so so what was you know first we'll, we'll, we'll get to the book and you know as a parent myself five kids is just like a crazy concept for anyone to under understand but you obviously it helped in your uh in your theories having this uh you know the, this home this homegrown control group yeah, I mean, we're not supposed to use our own family uh, for experimentation, but uh, but it's hard not to try to apply the things that you're learning. And, and a couple of things that were really important happened. And the first of those is that um, my, my wife was really sceptical. I was... When you do an undergraduate degree in psychology, by the way, you don't learn anything about parenting. I mean, I think we did about four hours of parenting content in the entire four years. Um, it, it was really the PhD that allowed me the opportunity to go deep in parenting. But I was I was so passionate about this. And my wife saw me deal with the children one particular day when she was ready to do all of the stuff that you're not supposed to do. She was so frustrated with these children. And, and, and I stepped in and did what I had been learning works and it's not the stuff that you hear about in your mainstream books or parenting programs or on the radio or anything like that. It's it's different. And it changed everything in our family that instant. And so the, the, the first thing was that 
my wife got to see what I was doing and how it worked and she had a change of heart and she and I ended up on exactly the same page. The next thing was that it made our family happier. Once we learnt these strategies and skills and we started to implement them consistently, we found that it genuinely made our family happier, measurably. And and um, and that's that's kind of what it was really all about. That's why I went back to do it. Once I was doing it, I thought to myself, well, I'm sitting, after my PhD, I stayed at the University of Wollongong and I was doing some research work and, and I was lecturing, uh, working in an academic capacity. And I was saying to my wife each day, I'd come home and I'd be like, I'm learning all this amazing stuff. I've got all this incredible knowledge and I'm sitting in a university laboratory and I'm just typing up a few scholarly research reports that 12 people somewhere in the, in the, in, in the world are going to read and, and that's about it. So we actually made the decision to quit the university life and I started a business, happyfamilies.com.au and and now I teach parents how to be awesome parents. But more than that, it's it's really about relationships. If you can negotiate with a two-year-old or a teenager, then you can negotiate with anyone. You can have great relationships with anyone. So the book, as much as it's about parenting, is about personal leadership. I should also mention, uh, once we started the business, we had our sixth child. So now we're the parents of six kids. Um, they're all girls, too. So uh, we'll, we'll talk about, at, at, at another date, you know, the role of uh, how children are made, Justin, because you're obviously very good <laughs> at it. Um, oh, but look, we, we know, and, and, and that's why we have so many. <laughs> uh, so, you know, you, you've already given us quite a, a bit. I want to ask you, how, how were you parented? What was your upbringing like and how has that affected sort of your approach? Oh, this is such a dangerous question because if anybody who knows my parents hears this podcast, there, there may be lifelong consequences. Uh, let, let, me, let me say that I was parented the way most children are parented. I was parented by, uh, by, by parents who loved me and who did the very best that they could with the knowledge that they had. And I'm, I'm so grateful for them. I learned so many important and valuable lessons from my parents. Do I parent my children the way my parents raised me? No, I don't. I believe that because I've been able to learn so many valuable lessons from my research, uh, it, it has powerfully impacted on the way I raise my children. Um, but that's not to take anything away from my parents who did absolutely the best that they could. And and all in all, I think that they did an okay job. Um, I'm hoping to do an even better job with my children, mm-hmm. but I'm really grateful for for my parents for teaching me the things that they taught me. Do you think? Do you think? I mean, as generations change, that the role of a father has changed. You know, in the last ten or twenty years, we've discovered so much about the importance of fathers uh, in terms of the way ch- children children's outcomes. Uh, sort of end up. We've we've discovered the need for dads to be involved in their children's lives, and and, and just the mere presence of a father uh, has, has it can be a powerful predictor of the well-being and the success and and the overall outcomes of a child's life. So, uh, yeah, fathers I think are starting to recognise that they're needed, uh, and and that they do make an impact. They really do make a difference. Now, now, a couple of things that I picked up from the book that you've mentioned, which I think are, is important for any you know, parent or child, are the concepts of resilience and mindfulness. How do they apply both in parenting and, I suppose, in relationships? Well, 
I, I think this comes back to it's not just about parenting and it's not just about children. It's it's about life generally. So when it comes to well, we'll start with mindfulness and then we'll go to resilience. Mindfulness is it, it's kind of gotten a look. It, it's the buzzword in psychology at the moment. Everybody's talking about mindfulness. When we typically think of mindfulness, I, I know a lot of people sort of roll their eyes and go, oh, you know, now I've got to do the whole meditation thing or I've got to be very Buddhist and very Zen. Um, while, while mindfulness has origins and roots in those traditions, I, I approach mindfulness quite differently. Mindfulness is just being where you are. So right now, Rob, I'm talking to you and I'm right here. And people who are listening to the podcast, hopefully, they're right here with us and they're listening to what we're talking about and they're engaged in the moment. Research tells us that when we're mindful, when we're engaged, when we're in the moment, where we are right where our feet are, we tend to be happier. Our well-being is higher. Uh, we have higher quality relationships. We are more engaged with people or with tasks. Our job satisfaction is higher. Uh, right across the board, no matter what we're doing, when we're mindful, when we're in the moment, we're attached and we're making things work. Now, that's as important for a parent as it is for a manager or a leader, as it is for a university student who's sitting in a lecture. Uh, you know, it, it just matters that we're mindful. And when we do that, our mind is right here. Some researchers from, um, I think it was from Harvard just a few years ago, published a fascinating study where they found that uh, they had an app and people would get alerts from the app uh, that, you know, they had to say, what are you doing right now? Happy? How happy are you? And what what are you thinking about? They had to answer those three questions. And the researchers found that when people were in the moment, they were much happier and they were focused on the task at hand. When they were not in the moment, their happiness levels were dropping because they were thinking about other things like what I've got to do tonight or uh, why is this thing so boring or wh whatever it is. Their, their, their well-being was lower. Their happiness was lower. And so mindfulness is it's just about being in the moment. Research in parenting shows that when parents are mindful, their children's well-being is higher and parents actually enjoy being parents more. In fact, I talk a lot about the myth of me time. Everyone says, I just need some me time. I need some time away. Look, that's really important. We need to have some balance in our lives and we need our grown-up time and our time to ourselves. But we also have discovered that we time is much more important than me time when it comes to having a happy family. And I think when it comes to any relationship, putting more into the relationship, we time, it matters more than me time for the health of the relationship and for our overall well-being. In terms of resilience, resilience is just this thing where we, you know, we, we bounce back. Something difficult happens. We encounter a setback. And some people just crumple on the floor in a heap and they say, I can't do it. It's too hard. Um, I, I'm not built for this. I'm not made for this. They're asking too much of me. It's not fair. The world's against me. Uh, that's what we call having a lack of resilience. Resilient people, they may still suffer a setback. They may say, oh, gosh, that really hurt. You know, I just had that conflict with somebody or I just failed that exam or I just um, missed out on the job that I was going for. But rather than crumpling in a heap, well, maybe they do. Maybe they crumple for a minute or two. Maybe they, they get really down and they want to have a little bit of a cry or they want to, uh, you know, respond in, in the typical disappointed way. But a resilient person then says, okay, well, bad stuff happens. What now? What next? Where do I go? From a family perspective, we want to raise children who are resilient. We want to raise children who can acknowledge the emotional pain that comes along with a setback, but who can then pick themselves up and move on. And the interesting thing about this is that we don't raise resilient kids by telling them to toughen up, princess, suck it up. 
we actually raise resilient kids by being there when they fall and not fixing things for them and not making everything all better, but instead by being there and by being that shoulder or by being that warm embrace and saying, I get it, it's really hard, I'm here. That's all we have to do. And once they're calm, we might say, well, what do we do now? How do we move past this? What's the next thing that we can do to overcome this? And we let our children work it out while we're standing there by their side. As we do that, that's what builds resilience. That's what creates within children a sense of worth and a sense that they can overcome challenges. Now, obviously, a lot of our listeners are at university now, and they they go through good times and bad times. Did you get any lessons from your time at university that sort of helped build your resilience levels up? University was really strange for me. So I, I was almost a high school dropout. I barely finished year 12. The grades that I was given in year 12 were so appalling that in, in, in a couple of the subjects, they actually wouldn't give me a grade. They said, look, you... you you get a certificate that indicates that you attended school and participated in the subject, but you don't qualify for a grade. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, I, I really hated school. So when I went back in my late 20s, as a, first of all, as a, a TAFE student for a year, and then, um, then I spent my seven and a half years, total of eight and a half years doing tertiary education. My first year at university was a, a massive wake-up call. I had no idea how to study, and I really knew nothing. And so I was getting some credits and a couple of distinctions in term one, or semester one. And then in semester two, something happened inside me. I just it clicked. Now, I don't know what made it click. I, I can't pinpoint that. But all of a sudden, I was almost a straight high distinction student. I was getting absolutely top grades. But it, what it came down to for me, I think, was a couple of things. Number one, I was absolutely there because I wanted to be there. Number two, I had to make it succeed. I had a wife and three kids and then a wife and four kids and then a wife and five kids and, and, and now obviously a wife and six kids. I just had to make it work. And the third thing was that I really loved what I was learning. I mean, I was so into what I was learning. And, and I, I discovered that there was a handful of other students who were like me. They just loved what they were learning. We didn't think that we were exceptional students by any stretch. We thought we were pretty normal. It wasn't until I was a, a, a graduate student and was marking undergraduate work for, for people in, in tutorials that I discovered that I was actually probably a slightly better student than I, than I recognized. But, but we would sit down after our lectures and we'd watch all of the other kids from the lecture just, you know, go and jump in the car and head off somewhere or go and sit on the computer and do whatever, or they'd go down to the bar at the university and, and have a couple of drinks or whatever. We would go and sit down uh, in the library or sit down in uh, some nice outside space and we'd rehash our notes from the previous two or three or four lectures and we would quiz each other and we would drill each other and we just, we really pushed each other hard to know the material and we enjoyed it. We had really strong relationships and I think that that's really the key to success at university have really strong relationships with people who love their subject and then instead of going and you know living life sit down and study just do it every single day after every single lecture it made all the difference for me and uh, there's an old saying that I, I say to my kids all the time you can live with the pain of discipline or the pain of regret and for me, I didn't, it actually didn't feel like pain, but I guess I was sacrificing some things. But that pain of discipline led to tremendous opportunities that I wouldn't have had otherwise. 
Justin, really appreciating your time. And uh, for those people that haven't got a copy of 21 Days to a Happier Family, go grab it from the co-op bookstore or online. And, of course, go to happyfamilies.com.au where you can interact with Justin, uh, see see what's going on in his blog and his Facebook page and all the other forms of social media. Great messages. Appreciate your time, Justin. Great to chat, Rob. Thanks.